Live from the WTAD studios in the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, it's time to pull up a chair and assemble today's WTAD News Roundtable. Boys and girls, it's time for the Friday edition of the News Roundtable. Yesterday afternoon, um, the former Legislative Inspector General uh, was in Springfield along with uh, the previous uh, Legislative Inspector General uh, to uh, uh, voice a complaint to the uh, Legislative Ethics Commission, which was supposed to turn in a report uh, at the end of next month. And there were some interesting things that were said, uh, not just about the position itself, but the commission, how the dynamic works, why that's a problem, and why, unless it's addressed, perhaps there shouldn't even be a legislative inspector general. We'll get into uh, what uh, the previous uh, LIG, uh, what's her name, Porter, um, hang on, I'm looking. Julie Porter, what she said uh, yesterday uh, in regards to that position and uh, what Carol Pope has chimed in, uh, who is the current LIG, uh, what she has said uh, as well. So we'll get into that on the back half of today's news roundtable. First things first, though, in with everything from the WTAD newsroom. Say good morning to Scott Hardy. Good morning, Quade. Good morning, everybody. But before I start, I must say, Quade, I know you're not going on to The Bachelor, but you do look quite spiffy in that you might make an appearance on said program. On where? The Bachelor. I, well, A, I'm not a bachelor. Well, I know that. Uh, That's why I prefaced it that way. Do you have a I, job I, interview? I am. No. I am. I'm, a, I'm dressed up a little bit uh, today because <laughs> I'm supposed to go to uh, the Dancing with the Local Stars tonight. Ah. So, uh, That's why you got your shiny shoes on. I yeah, I got, you my got shiny new shoes. shoes. Wrong, They're wrong not. reality show. I guess that. Yeah, ah, you right. missed it by that much. Dancing so, with the stars. So I'm not dancing? dancing. No, I'm not dancing. But I'm going to watch the dancers. Okay. So I'll. If you're good, planning on being there tonight, uh, say hi. Right. Will, will you be there to create them, to critique them if they if they dance the mawinge the wrong way? No, okay. I have no, I have no idea how to do it the right way so okay all right no thank you for elucidating that and for plugging your appearance i appreciate that very much in local news the city of quincy and the moore administration plans to introduce next week the first proposals for the moore administration's 45 by 30 plan to increase the city's population of 45,000 people by 2030 Mayor Moore plans to present first readings of proposed ordinances, which are uh, retail initiatives, at Monday night's city council meeting. The city will consider offering marketing incentives to recruit and retain businesses. According to uh, Moore, the goal is to not only attract new businesses, but to attract shoppers to the region as well. Quincy City Planner Chuck Bevelheimer says plans are already in the works to attract national retail stores to Quincy. He says that the city's small business success and empty storefronts could be advantage for Quincy. The Quincy Public Schools Board plans to meet in special session next week over a proposed contract extension. 
The board says it'll meet Monday morning to consider ratifying a contract extension with Quincy Federation Local 809 that represents the district's teachers. The two sides announced last week they'd reached agreement on extending their current contract through June 2023. That extension is conditional, though, and would only go into effect if voters approve a referendum on the March 17th ballot. That referendum is asking voters to okay a 53-cent hike in property taxes for QPS's educational fund. Officials say the $5.3 million raised each year by the tax would go to pay to cover state mandates of a $15 an hour minimum wage and a $40,000 starting salary for teachers. Local organization has received a large contribution to continue building free tiny homes for tri-state veterans. Two-by-fours for Hope recently received $160,000 from Dakota Access Pipeline and Energy Transfer. The money will be used for homes for local veterans in need. Two-by-fours goal is to build 12 homes in the tri-states throughout 2020. Northeast Missouri State Senator has been appointed chair of a Senate committee. Senator Cindy O'Loughlin announced Thursday she's been named chairwoman of the Senate Education Committee. The Shelbina Republican will replace former Senator Gary Romine, who was appointed to serve on the State Tax Commission. Statement from O'Loughlin says she has a, quote, extensive record, end quote, relating to K-12 education, including serving a term on the South Shelby School Board. She also served as an administrator at a local Christian school. Missouri Governor Mike Parson has announced that the State Department of Public Safety has awarded over 105 Missouri law enforcement agencies, including two in northeast Missouri, over $700,000 in grants. The $708,000 in grants from the Justice Department will be used to buy equipment used by officers, including ballistic vests, first aid and trauma kits, police radios, light bars, and sirens. That includes $978 for the Knox County Sheriff's Office to buy two bulletproof vests, and $9,200 for the Scotland County Sheriff's Office to buy four new radios. Grant awards are limited to a maximum of just under $10,000. The departments must buy their approved equipment by June 30th. Five people, four of them children, were hurt Wednesday afternoon in Shelby County in an accident caused by the snow. The Missouri State Highway Patrol identifies those hurt as 35-year-old Shauna Vargas, along with four children, a 15- and a 13-year-old girl, a 1-year-old boy, and an infant boy, all from Shelton, Washington. The accident happened just before 3 p.m. on eastbound U.S. 36, two miles west of Lentner. A report says Vargas's vehicle slid on the snow and slush-covered highway, then slid off the road. It hit a private driveway and then overturned. All five were taken to Hannibal Regional Hospital with minor injuries. A Quincy man indicted on charges, including sexual assault, after his late January arrest has pleaded not guilty. Joshua Nelson entered that plea at a hearing Wednesday in Adams County Circuit Court. He's set to go on trial March 9th. Nelson's been charged with counts of criminal sexual assault, sexual exploitation of a child, and two counts of criminal trespass. Charging documents say on October 29th, Nelson entered a home on Quincy's southwest side without permission, then allegedly sexually assaulted a woman while a child watched. Nelson's in the Adams County Jail on $250,000 bond. And Pike County, Illinois authorities have arrested a man who they suspect sent sexually explicit messages to several underage girls through social media. The man's identified as 19-year-old Isaac Henson of rural Barrie. The Pike County Sheriff's Office says they learned of the incident January 30th when a mother of one of the girls said her daughter was getting the messages. Deputies say they were able to find other female victims during their investigation, then served a search warrant Wednesday on Henson. They also seized several, seized rather, several electronic devices. Henson's been charged with counts of indecent solicitation of a child, sexual exploitation of a child in grooming, He was also arrested on a retail theft charge from Sangamon County. Authorities say their investigation is still active and additional charges may be pending. That is a look at the latest in local news. Of course, we'll have more for you throughout the afternoon right here 
on WTAD.com and on our social media pages, including both Twitter and Facebook, including a story of Blessing Health System buying a property they've wanted for at least five years. Oh, Steve's, Steve's giving me the high eyebrows and nodding. So Steve already knows he's, this story. Well, he's right. I mean, they've been trying to get this corner property for a long, long time. Ah, well, Steve has, well, Steve, has, just, Steve has an in. So. Well, they just gave it away. There. Yeah. But yeah, we're we'll paying attention to what Steve just said. Mm-hmm. Just gave it away. And it's up on our Twitter feed right now, too, so you can uh-huh. check that out there as well. But we'll have more on it for you throughout the afternoon. All right. Thank you very much, sir. It's 1014. Take a time out. When we come back, the uh, Legislative Inspector General uh, mentioned some things yesterday. In, the former Legislative in, in, Inspector General uh, mentioned some things yesterday that are concerning, should be concerning to the taxpaying voters and should also be concerning uh, in Springfield. Uh, We'll get into uh, what uh, Julie Taylor is uh, mentioning when we come back on the News Roundtable. WTAD. We call them cool. Those hearts that have no scars to show. The ones that never do let go. And risk the tables being turned. We call them fools who have to dance within the flame Through chance of sorrow and the shame that always comes with getting burned. All right, this is you leaning younger. But you got to Yeah, we're not playing the over 70 kind of crap. No. Oh, no. Oh, it no. would be too easy if we were doing just obviously under uh, 70 is Garth Brooks. It's his birthday today? Yep. All right. Um, so let's do, boy, I would even say probably under 60, so uh, 50, give me 58. I will say 56. Well, for the first time ever, we've had a winner. Hey! Quade, you got it, 58. 58! Wow. Wow. Wasn't sure he was quite that old. 58, which means he would have graduated uh, high school in 1980? Yes, one year, one year younger than me. Nineteen eighty. All right. So happy birthday. And uh, and one time, a one time performer at the Adams County Fair. Yeah, my parents saw him there. Yeah, at the Adams County Fair. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was launched his career. Gosh, was, I'm kicking myself for not going to the that. The Adams one. County Fair launched his career. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. it was. It was 1990, I believe it was. Yeah, it was the summer of '90. He was there. And he, he was, was just starting out. He was that, just getting started. That was the the. And the funny thing the was, moment. yeah, the funny thing was, I was working at another radio station at the time. It was one that, it, the, the signal is here in this building. So. Okay. And um, it's near the end of it, and, you know, he's been playing his songs. And I, it was not a country station at the time, and I was just kind of like, yeah, this guy's here, whatever. And then I hear the <laughs> opening strains of Billy Joel's You May Be Right near the end. I was That took me back a little bit, because I was not expecting that at all. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, he does a lot of cover too. Cover uh, songs too, like that. But you know, that, I mean, and that was kind of, uh, if you're going to point to it, I think kind of the, the beginning of those types of uh, the, uh, country artists who grew up on that type of right rock. Right. They grew. Know, they grew up on it on the Eagles, and 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 so you know to see that influence, and that's that's kind of throughout the decade of the '90s was right. was 
proliferate. Well, a lot of a lot of the seventies rock had a lot of country influence in it to the point where, if you'll remember, a few years ago, the Eagles actually released a country single. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'll let you. Yeah. I got the music charts at that time. I mean, the, the pop charts, country charts, kind of combined for several songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crossovers. He got started in '89. His first album came out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was just a self-titled. That first mm-hmm. album was just self-titled. Yeah. 1021, welcome back to the News Roundtable, Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Yesterday, uh, the former uh, Legislative Inspector General, Julie Porter, uh, chimed in saying that uh, the other side of how the current situation works, which is the LIG, who's supposed to investigate uh, things that legislators have done. If you remember, uh, when Julie Porter was assigned uh, to the LIG position, which had been empty the previous three years, it was in the middle of Me Too. Me Too was going up, and there were some harassment cases uh, in Springfield. Some of them connected very closely to Speaker Madigan. Uh, so Governor Rauner was uh, governor at that time. I don't know if he had, hadn't been governor too terribly, maybe a year or so. And uh, I'm trying to piece together the administration chain. Anyway, gotcha. uh, Julie Porter got put in as legislative inspector general. But if you remember, there was questions about the way it was set up. The LIG had to then go to the Legislative Ethics Commission, which was a group of legislators from the uh, both the left and the right, both Republican and Democrat, from the Senate and the House. There was uh, two Republican senators, two Democrat senators, two Democrat House members, two Republican House members. That is your uh, Legislative Ethics Commission. And the LIG had to go to them, essentially to say, Mother, may I? And we thought at the time, well, it isn't really how LIGs are supposed to work, but we're putting a lot of trust in this, but it's me too, and everybody's uh, you know, opening their eyes to it. <sighs> now... Apparently, Julie Porter now is saying that it, it's never worked the way it was supposed to work. Uh, she also said that there are plenty of ideas that have been introduced, but these rule changes have just sat on the side. And it's an interesting thing to bring up because the uh, commission, the Legislative Ethics Commission, is supposed to have a report turned in by March 31st. So we'll get to potentially what could be on that report in a bit. But going back to what Porter has uh, leveled and it's been picked up in the media across the state and uh, online. I'm sure Scott's looking through Twitter uh, right now. Um, oh no, the story we've already had this. And Porter, yeah, yeah, Porter uh, uh, is not the LIG uh, anymore. There is a new one. Carol Pope is the current LIG, but the situation is still the same. Porter, uh, and if you want to follow along, there is a, a story at the Center Square section of WTAD.com. Greg Bishop put it up yesterday afternoon. Um, Porter uh, said that uh, she referred a serious investigation of wrongdoing to the Attorney General, uh, who she then said filed a complaint, but she left office. She thinks the panel of lawmakers then dismissed it. The Legislative Ethics Commission dismissed it, and uh, she doesn't think it's possible the AG filed that report to law enforcement. Uh, and then when asked about it to follow up, she goes, look, I can't disclose the details uh, uh, about the case because of state law. She said some of the most detailed and important investigations that I did never saw the light of day. Well, that's 
how, how do you, how are you an LIG when you're investigating stuff and it gets shut down by the people who potentially could be being investigated? That's counterintuitive. Yeah. Right. If you're doing an investigation and the people on the Ethics Commission find out, and hey, it's one of my friends or uh, somebody that I went, hey, there's, there's potential for problems there. And when this got put into place, we relied on the appointed to set themselves, their own self-interest aside. That didn't happen, uh, sadly. And you wonder why the people of Illinois are cynical. Uh, I'm trying to... Pope, Carol Pope, said the only thing that I can think of uh, here is that the uh, LIG could represent uh, reports and ask them to be considered anew, to, to bring them back around. Uh, Porter said, I'm no longer the LIG. I can't do that. I can't speak for Carol uh, Pope. However, she says the role as it exists now essentially just has you banging your head uh, against the wall. So yesterday, in a uh, statement to the Joint Commission on Ethics and Lobbying Reforms, that's the group supposed to have their report in by the end of next month, uh, she said that the uh, commission can't be trusted because they blocked uh, several reports, founded reports of lawmaker wrongdoing from being published. Uh, Senator L.G. Sims, who's part of the commission, said, well, that's a disturbing perspective. Uh, Sims said, quote, I think that uh, presupposes that individuals can't make decisions that are in the best interest of the state of Illinois. And I don't subscribe to that perspective. I think that clearly there's a crisis of confidence. And I've said that over and over again, and that we have to do what's in the best interest of the state of Illinois. That's true. The commission does need to do what's in the best interest of the state of Illinois. And former LIG Porter says, you're not. You're not. Uh, Pope, the current LIG, says there's not another IG in the state of Illinois who has to go to anybody to ask for permission to open an investigation. Now, things that have been brought up to change the way the current system is put together. Um, former... LIG Julie Porter, uh, the LIG before her, uh, Tom Horner, Homer, and Carol Pope have put suggestions out there as to how we could change that. One of them is give the legislative uh, inspector general autonomy to investigate claims without first getting permission from the panel of lawmakers. That seems to be the most basic way to approach that because that seems to be the point of conflict. Um, apparently now the LIG can only investigate harassment. That's it. So when this came about and there was harassment and it had sat on the back burner because we didn't have an LIG and everybody went, oh, no, me too. We need to get an LIG in there and fix this. They put one in as importer and then said, you can only look into harassment. That's it. Everything else we have to say so over. Oh, okay. One of the other things that was suggested, have the commission, the Legislative Ethics Commission, include non-legislative members. Bring somebody in from the outside who maybe doesn't have that perspective. And by the outside, I don't mean a lobbyist or a staffer or a friend of the family. Somebody completely out of this reality, from outside that bubble of government. Somebody who would be considered an outsider, who would consider themselves uh, an outsider. Another uh, suggestion to bring a possible ninth member to break ties in votes to release 
reports that are founded. By the way, uh, this is not the transparency that we were promised or uh, that we uh, expect from our elected officials who uh, are meaning to, as as we heard from Legislative Ethics Commission uh, person L.G. Sims, co-chair, uh, we have to do what's in the best interest of the state of Illinois. Sometimes that means putting your own self-interest aside. You're not there for yourself. You are there to represent your legislative uh, area, your region of the state. And putting yourself before that to be the best thing. It is a nervous time. I get that for elected people in Illinois. I understand. Uh, especially the entrenched who've been there a long, long time. Uh, politically, the iron is hot to get stuff like this right. Uh, of course, in 2017, the iron was hot, too, with Me Too going on uh, for a hot moment. And we kind of addressed it, sort of. But apparently, we just kind of put window dressing on it and went, all right, fixed, next. Except it's not really fixed. Maybe this is an opportunity for, I don't know, the governor to make a statement uh, about this and point the Legislative Ethics Commission towards actually handing their report in on time, as opposed to the report uh, from the Property Tax Commission that was supposed to be out December 31st, and then the final report in after that, and we've still only got a real rough draft. Stay tuned. That's the Friday edition of the News Roundtable. We'll be back in Monday morning at 10 a.m. You should be here, too. The News Roundtable will reconvene Monday morning at 10.06 a.m. on AM 930 WTAD. Podcast available online at WTAD.com.